Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. One week left to go, and it's showtime. That's right. The Grand National Roadster Show is going to be this following weekend coming up. I'll be down there on Wednesday for the rolling and setup. Thursday, hanging out, kind of previewing a bunch of stuff and uh, kicking it with a bunch of buddies that are going down there. And then Friday's the big day. The show kicks off. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Pomona, California. For more information, go to rodshows.com. This is the Grand National Roadster Show. To put things in perspective, this is the granddaddy of all car shows. It's definitely something to not be missed if you're an auto enthusiast, but the best part about this, Building 9 is dedicated to Volkswagens this year. It is a gathering of hot VWs, and it's going to be one awesome weekend i'm really looking forward to it this weekend i got plans to get the cars cleaned up polished up and put in the trailer believe it or not your boy's gonna be a little bit ahead of schedule even though as it stands right now i'm pretty much behind i have some things i haven't finished yet and uh we're gonna work on getting those wrapped up i'm really excited and looking forward to being at the grand national roadster show this next weekend so you guys do yourself a favor get down to pomona california Go check out the Grand National Roadster Show. Bring a mask if you have to. Build a bridge. Get over it, guys. Let's go do this. When's the next time this is going to happen where VWs are going to be in Building 9? Who knows? I'm not waiting for the next time. I'm going this time. So I'm excited. There's going to be so many VW people there, not to mention hot rods and show cars from all over the country, uh, maybe from uh, outside of the country. So it's going to be definitely a weekend to remember. On today's show, I'm all over the world, guys. And this week, especially this week, I've been down under. This week, I went down under and I connected with uh, Clint Miller from Colony BMX. Now, Clint, I first saw his Volkswagen in uh, Volksworld. It's got to be over 10 years ago now that I'm looking back after the podcast. I reviewed some of the magazines and whatnot. And uh, he's got a collection of Type 3s. He's got a Brasilia. He's a hardcore VW enthusiast. And we get to hear his story. You know, he's a a former pro BMX rider. After his pro days, he went into uh, repping some products and whatnot, and then eventually started his own company, Colony BMX. It's a great story. It's it's for sure a self-made deal. Totally cool guy. Really great podcast. You guys are going to love it. It's definitely worth a listen. If you got your old Volksworlds, pull them up. Check our Instagram feed for the pictures of the collection of his cars. Uh, He's a hardcore VW dude from the way back. Uh, I'm stoked to get him on here, and he's also doing big things in the BMX world worldwide most especially in australia making it happen so great podcast a good listen i know you guys will dig it if you guys want a shout out on the podcast make sure you go to apple Podcasts. give us a five-star review if you want to support the podcast go to letstalkdubs.com click on the store and pick up some merch to support your favorite podcast other than that guys we're about to get into this podcast hit me up if you're in pomona next week come by and see me at the grand nasa roadster show in building nine let's get into it this week with clint miller colony bmx owner and hardcore VW enthusiast on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. everybody so uh as you guys know i scour the earth looking for other vw enthusiasts and people that are influential all over the scene and on today's podcast i've got a guy that's 
pretty heavy into the BMX scene, you could say, in the in the flatland and freestyle and and all that fun stuff. But he's also he caught my eye the first time it was in Volksworld magazine. It's got to be close to you know over five years ago, and uh, and and that individual is Clint Miller with uh, Colony BMX out of Australia. Uh, Clint, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. So the first time that I saw some of the stuff that you were doing was in Volksworld magazine. You had a feature, and if I'm not mistaken, it was a dark, like a dark gray square back panel. The one, um, the one that, or maybe it was a window, because I know you got panels yeah, it was and windows. A win- it would have been a window <laughs> one, I'd say. Yeah. You do, and yeah. it had a roof rack with a with a bike on top of it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, okay. That different one again. That's, um, yeah, that's the dark, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, and th- and that is the good part. The good part is that you know you you're like most of us VW enthusiasts, and you've got you know your your little fleet amassed of Volkswagens. So the way we always start the podcast, and to give our listeners a little bit in the intro, they heard a little bit about you, but you know you own an operating company called Colony BMX, right? Out of Australia. Out of Australia. That, mm-hmm. that is correct. What yep. part? What part of yep. Australia are you guys in? Uh, we're in Brisbane. In Brisbane, and so, and you guys actually, my uh, my nephew was like a a sponsored rider in St. George, Utah, Derek King, and so I kind of hit him up because I'm I, I'm not a BMX guy, I'm more a skateboard guy, but I said, hey, you heard of Colony? He's like, oh yeah, Colony makes some dope stuff. They came in, you know, and he's been out of it for a little bit, out of the scene, he's a little older now, but he says, yeah, when they came on the scene, he was a little leery, but he says, man, they make great products, and he had a Colony frame and some stuff like that. So you definitely, I know that you've got the street cred in the BMX game. And uh, for sure, from what I've seen that you've been building out there, you've got it in the VW scene. So the way we start the podcast is, how did you get into Volkswagens and what's your VW story? Yep. Um, Well, yeah, I I guess it was all, for me, it started around about 96. Um, At the time, there was another pro BMX rider in the States called Chad DeGroote. Uh-huh. And he had a he had a video featured and and uh, riding and then in the background there was this dark blue, uh, sixty square back it just dumped and it just looked awesome and I just didn't even know what sort of a car it was or whatever but thought it was pretty cool and then my then at the time uh, Mitsubishi L three hundred Express van which mm-hmm. I don't think you even have over there but no. it's like a pretty much a lunchbox on wheels but it was my dream car getting out of high school. And uh, just so I could chuck, you know, we get a five five guys, five bikes, and just go travel around the country, and or, or you know, just go riding and stuff like that. And it uh, it blew up. It blew up. Its engine finally failed after multiple trips around the country. It would have done so many kilometers in it. And um, I was like, all right, well, I need to get a new car. What do I? And then I I thought of Chad DeGroote with that square back that he had, and I. Look, you know, did a bit of research sort of thing. There was no internet then, but um, found out what I could and went, oh, that's one of those. And then started looking in the newspaper and then found one, you know, only 30 minutes away for sale. Yeah. I think it was $1,700. And then um, I thought, well, I'll go have a look at this. And I, I bought it and, yeah. And then the, the first trip, the first day I had it, I, I drove down to one of the major skate parks here called Bean Lee. It was at night, mm-hmm. and we'd always have a Friday night session down there. And my first drive down there, getting close to – hadn't even checked over the car, just jumped in it, put my bike in it, drove, and then um, heard this noise, like, really close <laughs> to the park. And I, just as I pulled over, the rear left-hand wheel fell off. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Yeah, so the, the wheel nuts weren't done up tight. So after that, I, I – definitely checked all the wheel nuts and whatnot but um 
And what? Yeah, and I, I just started tinkering around with that thing over the years. Yeah. And what year was your first? Your first Squareback was what year? It was a seventy-three. So seventy. So, it's a, so late model Squareback. Late model, yep, seventy-three. It was white. Um, yeah, fully stock standard. But then I, I, I think the engine and it failed, and I, I got a mechanic here to, you know, I found a, a place called German Autos, which specialised in 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 German autos, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not mechanically minded at all. And uh, but yeah, got them to you know sort me out a different engine and had to do new carbies, and then I got it lowered and. Then I started, you know, I did all the interior myself, just bought some carpet from a carpet shop and cut it all in and stuff like that. So it was my, yeah, it was my little, my little dream car for sure. So it's the first thing, you know, and like most VW people, right? Like we, we see them out there and they're really attainable because they're inexpensive. They've just, you know, one of the first cars I fell in love with was a square back. And it was like, to me, it was like the ultimate surf wagon, but just had such a cool look to it. Right. And that's what, that's what mm. drew me to it. You know, and, and me, it was like late eighties and here comes one pulling into the apartment complex where I'm living and he's just bumping like some deep bass, and it's, and it's peach with scallops on the front of it. And I'm like looking at the thing like, <laughs> like, man, one day I'm going to have a surf wagon like that, like something so cool. And, and that's kind of what got me fired up. And then I go over to the Seven Eleven and start flipping through VW trans and hot VWs magazine, you know, just checking stuff out. But it's like, we all get the first one we see the closest thing we get. Right. And we, we get a late model. And then as we start getting into the scene, you know, it's, it's a funny pattern that I see repeating a lot. People get their first one that they see. They don't even care what year it is. They just want it. And then they work into it. And then they start getting this affinity for the older, earlier, more rare models. Now, do you still have the 73 oh, totally. around? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 ha- I bought that in 96. And then in 2001, the start of 2001, I moved to Germany for BMX riding. And so I quit my job here, quit everything, sold everything, and unfortunately sold the car as well. Yeah. Um, which was hard to do, but you know, I kind of had to do it. Um, well, and yeah. actually, then fast forward about f- probably three years after that, I saw it on the road here again. Oh, like really? Just, I swear it was it. Uh, but I didn't want to be one of those stalker guys and follow the guy <laughs> home and ask questions. So I just I just enjoyed it for what it was and go, wow, there it is. It's still getting around. So who knows where it is now. But um, And so you, uh, you kind of sold you sold your, your dream car to pursue your dreams, right, of being in the BMX scene. And, that's it. And kind of follow. I mean, and, and that's, that's got something to say for you because, you know, if, if no matter how much you love something – if if you're committed to what you do you figure listen if i sacrifice this now i'll have a better one later you know well yeah well that's it i always thought you know and then sort of always thought yeah i'd get one again one day but you know really didn't ever expect that ever to happen sort of thing and and yeah here we are <laughs> but um and so you yeah. t- you take a little dip out so you sell your volkswagens and you pursue the bmx your bmx career now how long does your BMX career go for be, before you go from pro riding to like transitioning into business owner or, or does that kind of the two things are happening at the same time? Although kind of happening at the same time, I guess my first, I guess, you know, uh, I first went to the States in 95 and got the taste for it. I saved up for years for that trip and me and a friend, Michael Canfield, we went there and just road tripped around for five weeks around the States and just, just lived the, bmx life just sleeping in the van and all that kind of stuff and then went back again in 98 with another group of friends 
similar deal for two months, drove around and whatnot. And that was my first uh, international pro comps. Um, I, I went in the expert class there and, and I won that. And once you could win that, then you're able, you know, be allowed to turn pro. So I did that. And then, yeah, up on the decks of all the, the big names at the time, which was, you know, pretty amazing and a dream come true. And um, ended up getting eighth in the in the pro comp. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is this this is pretty cool. I could probably do this sort of thing. And then, um, yeah, fast forward a bunch of years, like traveling around the world doing it, going to Europe and all the stuff like that, just, just living the dream really, not really – making any money out of it really but right. just enough to to live and get by and travel and see the world like i think i've been to about 45 different countries oh, wow. over the years now and that's all off the back of bmx so that's you know a lot of experience there which you just you just you know i mean you could buy it with money but uh bought it with just you know following my dreams so um no. and, and at the time there was no australian bmx brand uh there was you know there's UK, US, Spanish, so German. Everything's uh, imported to Australia for for any BMX. Yeah, well, there was there was no brand that you could that riders locally could go. Yeah, I want to support an Australian brand, and there just wasn't. So that was uh, 2005. I decided to um to to fix that, and, and Colony was born. Yeah. So now when you decide to do that, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to, to approach it, right? It's like, well, there's people that can make me the frames or I'm going to make my own frames or, or, or parts or pieces or whatever the case is. I mean, what, what is the, what's the evolution of that? And how do you take that jump from like rider to like brand, brand guy, you know, colony BMX? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, during during uh, when I came back from Germany, went to Germany in two thousand and one. Uh, only stayed there for about a year, but pretty much travelled there every year for a few months after that. But um, come back two thousand and two to Australia and got a job within the industry, um, just as like a sales rep selling BMX sure. stuff for for another distributor, and that sort of got me exposed into the industry side of things. And that's when I went well here I am selling all these other overseas brands and stuff. I should start my own. And, um, yeah, so it only took a couple of years. And then once the, the idea was formed, you know, sort of 2005, it was really like, all right, let's do this. And then I think it was late 2006, we had products out. So to the market, um, and now you're, and you're still an active writer too. I mean, I see your videos all the time. I mean, you're still out there in your on your compound in your big your big mammoth <laughs> skate park in the backyard hitting the tricks, man. Which is which is pretty awesome because it's like you know I, I look back at history and it's like we're all, we're a few years apart, a couple years apart, you and me. But you know, it's like when my dad when my dad was fifty or pushing fifty, he he wasn't even on a bike. He wouldn't even get on a bicycle. I mean, I just rode. You know, here in the states, the big thing now is everybody's got these big the big rippers and all this stuff is real big out here. So yep. all of us old dudes are on these 29 inch rippers and all this stuff. And, you know, I could never imagine my dad doing that like ever, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just crazy because yeah. our generation is like the older we get, the more we're, we're committed to staying young and active and doing all these things. So it's pretty, it's pretty commendable that you're still in the game. You're not just a corporate suit. You know what I mean? Nah, thank you. And that, and that's, that's definitely what I uh, strive with colony. Like if, the day comes that I didn't enjoy writing, to be honest, I don't think I'd enjoy the business side of it as much either. Yeah. Um, I think the two go part and parcel with each other and it's quite, um, it's 
quite transparent to see, I think, when there are brands out there where the owners or the people behind it all don't ride and that quite reflects in their products and, and so forth. Like you can just tell it's not really coming from a, a rider's perspective and I think that's really important. And for the mo- and the most important thing is, yeah, I still enjoy it. Like um, getting out there and scaring the hell out of myself and pushing myself <laughs> to do stuff that I did when I was, you know, 21 or whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's nothing, nothing new groundbreaking, but it's just uh, – getting back some of those old moves and and yeah just having fun with it just keeping keeping things going so and so you're still ripping you're still ripping on a bike now there's that time when you you know you kind of shed the material things to focus on your career and then your career starts taking some different things and 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 buying your personal things is set to the side until you attain some sort of level of satisfaction with your business right when yes. when do you decide to get back in the VW game and how do you do that? Like how do you like okay this is what I'm getting and this is getting built. Yep. Well, yeah. I guess launched the brand 2005, first product to market late 2006. Got a couple of years under the under our belt, just you know working really hard with it all, sort of just making it and putting it all back into it and building it and building it and so forth. And then um, I guess the first real sort of you know good year we would have had would have been 2009. Mm-hmm. And then um, I sort of started, hey, maybe I could, you know, get one of those, get a Volkswagen again, get, in, get a square back. That'd be a pretty cool little gift for myself for all this hard work. And right. so I um, I just started searching on the net, just, just Googling squarebacks. And then this candy red uh, squareback came up as a Volksworld uh, screensaver. And I, at the time, I thought, oh, wow, that thing's amazing. That's just the most amazing thing ever. Um you know, had it as my screen desktop screensaver on my laptop or whatnot. Then just searching cars for sale, and somehow I came up with an ad in the UK. Yeah. And I go, that's that car. And I'm like, it can't be. And yeah, it was. It was that same red, candy red squareback uh, built by Chris Palombo in the UK. Uh-huh. And it, it was available for sale. And I was like, I can't believe this. And I'm like, uh yeah all right so i contact the guy and i was like hey uh yeah what's the deal and we got talking and uh you know i was quite inept at shipping stuff around at that time so i quickly asked my freight forwarder you know what sort of costs are involved and how's it work and he said, yeah it's no different to importing a container of bikes it's just different you know product or whatnot and uh wife was away at the time so <laughs> I was home alone when it all sort of went down and oh, that I'll stuff it. I'm doing it. And I did it and then spoke to her on the phone just on a, on a different day and said, oh, yeah, I bought a car. And she's, oh, really? I said, yeah, yeah, it's coming from the UK. She's, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I'm like, oh, wow, she took that easy. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she got back, I said, yeah, yeah, can't wait. The car will be here in like, uh, you know, December or something. And she's like, takes that long in the post. And I go, no, it's not coming in the post. She thought I meant a little toy car like a die cast. from the UK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, a few months later, it finally gets here, and there it is. I had this candy red square back, 62 it was. So, um, yeah, and no, that's, I'm checking pictures yeah. out of it right now that you guys will be able to see, that the listeners will be able to see on the link in the description of the podcast. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's kind of a candy red. It has some... Uh, Looks like it's got some torque thrust style, like some billet wheels on it. They're like a billet. Yeah, Boyd Coddington's. They there were. You go. The yeah, B Coddington's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Again, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, did, I didn't build that car, and and I, you know, I, 
haven't really built any of the cars that I've got except for the the brown panel van away in a way. I mean, I did again didn't build it. The guys at Type Three Detectives did, but in the UK. But um, I definitely had a say in what I wanted for that one. But um, well, yeah, yeah, Chris, well, Chris in did a, a sense, great job on that one. Well, don't short don't short yourself right there because it, to to some degree, and I might say this because I've I've built and I also have paid people to build my cars. I think you know, your hard work has to come in to build it regardless because you've got to generate the revenue to pay for it. But if it's your ideas and your culmination of things coming together, you know, I think you'd have just as much a hand in building the car as the, as the builder because a lot of it is is the ideas of, of the people that are having the car built to come to fruition. You know what I mean? Because I definitely sense a thread of the, a similar style in some of the cars that you've got. You know that you kind of like yeah. a, you like an early uh, an early laid out on some uh, some stock looking wheels like a, just kind of a just just kind of a I, I hate I'm trying to figure out how to describe the style but it's more like a like an old school kind of old school hot rodish look to your square back at least the one that I'm looking at now the panel with the two bikes on top at Volksworld. yeah yeah I, I like the I like the stock wheel look um, I don't know yeah just just then you know dumped um yeah and just uh kind of like to my tastes have changed over the years like since the candy red square back i've definitely gone away from (laughs) less flashy uh, yeah or custom (laughs) colors i i prefer an original color car um yeah and just more original looking with just being dumped (laughs) basically yeah no i mean this definitely this square rack's got a super hard look to it i mean i dig it i like you've got wood slats on the floor inside the car which is pretty tight you know i like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i like the the ship deck kind of look um now you've got you've got a couple cars in your collection right now you've got um now the 58 combi has that one been featured that uh, i'm not too sure no i'm not too sure uh someone asked me this yesterday and i can't remember who actually built it in the, in the US? But um, so, uh, so that's it, you, an import you can, for you. That is, yeah. Pretty much, I think they're just about all are. <laughs> yeah. So not a about. lot, not a lot of, not a lot of early VWs on uh, in Australia over there to grab, huh? Uh yes and no, no. Um, I don't know. Just the, the cars that sort of have caught my attention of all just happen to be overseas or some of them you just can't get here like the fridlin or the brazilia and stuff like that. although the fridlin i did get locally but um uh a lot of them yeah for what i want and like just they're just not available here sort of thing so i know you like um, the panels because you got two of them <laughs> yes yeah so, well just just the rarity of those yeah. that really sort of uh draw, draw, you know caught my attention um yeah, so what's and, uh, so what's the story for those that don't know? What's the story on the panel, on the panel Volkswagens? What were they originally used for? Well, I, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent an expert on this, but um, they were originally made for the Australian and uh, Norwegian markets, mm-hmm. as far as I am aware, um, just as a commercial style, uh, you know, little little wagon for doing deliveries and so forth. And the funny thing is looking into it and finding out about that stuff that they were mainly made for the australian market i never actually saw one on the road until i had my own so and you've had um, to import you've had to import yours in well the brown one that we're talking about there that was uh that was actually found in sydney oh wow and then the type three detective guys brought it out to the uk mm-hmm and then that's changed hands a few times. Um, originally it was white, now it's Nutria Brown. 
um then it's sort of gone back to the type three detective guys they said hey we we've got this i'm like all right well let's and they said they pitched the idea to me at the time to let's make a cool colony you know cool sort of panel van sort of thing and i was like yeah that sounds good all right let's let's do this and um yeah we worked on it and then it's came back back to australia so it's uh come back to where it's originally um started started life now being there in australia do you guys so you guys just kind of stay stay there in australia for the most part as far as your vw scene and stuff like that or do you or you go to places like the volksworld super show and things to that extent i mean is that is that as is that a big an ordeal as this for you as it is for us i did go to volksworld show once uh which was the year that the that brown panel van was was finished and debuted um so that was really cool for, for me uh it, yeah it was cool to be there for the v-dubs but the, the biggest thing for me was it was in the middle of winter and there was snow everywhere, which was, that's a, you know, we just don't really see snow. So that was pretty <laughs> cool. Just made the, made the whole experience even better sort of thing is, you know, being cold and snow outside and then all these amazing Volkswagens inside. So, um, yeah. And I went to, I went to a show in, uh, California once. I can't even remember what it was. It was, uh, where it was um but anyway i went to one of those yeah just uh, uh, and at the side of a bmx trip it was just i was there and then saw something on the internet saying oh there's a show here sunday so i just went down there for you know drove down there and had a look at it and then come back sort of thing so nice um yeah so it is a big thing to go overseas to, to those trips obviously not much of that is happening right now but um yeah because you guys over there in australia are locked down pretty hard over there huh they're, uh yeah they're, they're pretty it's pretty strict on leaving the country and people coming in yeah um but what about and I, then I, I hear reports that it's kind of tough getting around over there just like uh they were doing early it may have changed recently but earlier they were doing there was a lot of uh a lot of lockdowns in respect to uh you know going here the, going there no there definitely was i mean where we where we live in 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 queensland it mm -hmm. was less strict uh, they well basically they locked down the whole state and we it was almost impossible for me to leave my own state so if you can imagine that um they actually put up physical barriers and had police checks and all that sort of stuff so we we're basically in our own little cocoon um but then some of the southern states like in victoria and melbourne especially yeah they were fully locked down and they could only leave their house for one of three reasons you know exercise buying going to buy food or going to to uh medical stuff so they they had it a lot worse than us um up here we had it not so bad but yeah I, i've only left my state once in the last two years right now so and that's gonna be crazy because um, you're probably normally used to just hop in a plane at least four uh, times a year right going different places uh, if not more i was pretty much every every two to three weeks i would be somewhere uh around the world um so to, to now i think i caught a plane for the first time in two years just in october i think it was just gone wow. um and that felt weird yeah um, it's a different so yeah it's, it's a different vibe flying now right with the mask on and everything that's a, ah that's yeah, a whole scene honest, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, my my uh, i won't be doing that again until that's all back to normal it's not not for me i'd yeah. rather just i've adapted now not having to travel anywhere and to be honest before all this happened yeah i was kind of over travel a bit and 
was actually going to take some time off from it. And then all of a sudden this happened. I'm like, all right, well, there you go. Done. You, you, get, to, you get to work on your, your, your BMX compound over there. I mean, that's quite a... That, that, yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's it. It was really good having that during all this, actually, because they did have uh, public skate parks and skate parks actually closed down at one point there. So everybody, everybody went them. to Clint's house. Like, all right, we're going... <laughs> we're going well, and that's the funny thing, too, that you'd only... At that particular time, we were only allowed two visitors at a time. Yeah. So then I had my two friends. We just basically... My two sort of you know good riding buddies, they just... It was just basically us three riding whenever we rode. So um, yeah. felt a bit bad of a lot of other people not being able to, but um, backyard ramp, ramps did pop up a lot more around here because of that. So well, so yeah. we'll have in the future we'll have a lot more carpenters out there because a lot of guys had to figure, <laughs> yeah. figure out some of that build to get those building skills underway. That that's it. That's it. <laughs> now in your collection, you've changed. So you, I see your collections evolved a little bit where you now have the Brazil and the Brazilians are kind of getting hot past couple of years. I've been, I've been having my eye on one and, and I've got a, a friend of mine that's been on the podcast, Brian, um, Brian Hamrick, and he imports them out of Brazil uh tell me about your brazilian okay tell me about your brazilia yeah 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 well again uh i guess yeah the, my taste started sort of changing away from uh well yeah backtracking a little bit yeah. before the uh before the brown panel van mm -hmm. the guys in the uk at, at again type type uh, two detectives they offered me their brazilia at the time the one that they'd built over there in the uk that white one and i was like oh, i don't even know what that is now nah, uh, nah, i want to I, I like squarebacks i want type threes you know like and um i just discredited at the time didn't think much of it and then as you yeah you sort of get on your sort of tastes start changing and evolving into sort of things that are a bit more rare or, or different to everyone else and yeah brazilia's by then had caught my eye and hit them back but they'd already sold it and and whatnot so um one of my good distributors in, in brazil uh the guys at dream bmx uh, -huh. uh they, they distribute colony for me and sort of got talking to them and <laughs> you know said hey love it brazilian oh they're rare over here too and i'm like oh well if you ever find one sort of thing you know let me know and we'll see what we can work out and and uh yeah they found one sent me some photos and said oh that's pretty cool and, and i could sort of tell it was in their garage and um no, they I'm already like, they already picked oh, it up huh <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like oh wow okay all right well let's let's work this out and um yeah, the car itself wasn't too expensive but Shipping. i'll never export another car out of brazil ever again because the uh amount of um you know duties and tax and all that uh, nonsense oh and and bribes that we had to pay to get it out it's um, crazy, right? I mean, it's just. I oh, think the, I think the difference is in Australia and the U.S. They just hide the bribes up with the government, like the government's involved in the bribes. Yeah, yeah. it was just like, <laughs> wow. All right, well, they're a little more transparent so yeah, won't, over won't there. Won't be doing that again because. <laughs> well, we had, we had, my friends in at Dream BMX. We had an idea where we thought, oh yeah, we'll we'll bring in you know combis and whatever to Australia, be a little side business. But after that first experience, went nah, never again. So yeah. um, I don't know how people do that on the regular, but um, I certainly couldn't be bothered with it. So Yeah, it's, it's, but, um, it's like a full-time job, right? You thought, hey, I ship ah, containers anyway. Why not just send an empty yeah. container, bring a full one back with a Brasilia or a bus or you know whatever? And, that, that's it, yeah. yeah. And with the cost of shipping right now with containers, that's uh, I don't know how people are moving cars around at all. I, I certainly wouldn't bother at this particular time. So. Oh, it's, it's gone insane. You know, in my day, oh, in my day job, I'm in the Thailand granite business and, and 
shipping has quadrupled in price per container. Oh, and if you're ridiculous. shipping stuff, you know, in what, what I do is granite and granite weighs so much. So you don't get much, you can't divide the cost up a bunch because there's not a bunch of pieces in there because it's so heavy. And it's just like, oh, makes yeah. it, it makes it cost prohibitive. You know, oh, it does. It's, it's just like it used to be. Yeah. You'd, you'd ship stuff in and the shipping was quite a small portion of it. Now it's probably the biggest portion. You really got to take note of it and, yeah. yeah, we're all going to start. Well, if not, we we already are, but we're all going to be paying a lot more for our stuff. Just the general stuff these days now. So. No, it's it's crazy. So so with your Brasilia, you bought it done, or you bought it and had had it built? It it was pretty much done. It it, uh, it was yeah, pretty much done as it was. It did have alloys on it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they were just a, a, a copy um, Fuchs, I think they were, or something like that. Um, again, yeah, I like the, the stock rim sort of look, so tracked all those down. And on, on a trip to Brazil, seeing those guys, I picked up some uh, Brazilian uh, Brazilian uh, dress rims, sort of thing, the trims, right. yeah, um, and so forth. But yeah, it's pretty much as it was when I got it. Yeah. And what motor? Um, what motors in the Brasilia? It's it's just a, it's just a stock. Uh, stock stock engine yeah so just um, stocker laid out on the ground yeah yep yep that's the first so yeah it's flat out it's flat out getting up a hill sometimes <laughs> no it's it it, it it actually goes pretty good uh, for for what it is um little hot dog exhaust on it so it sounds pretty cool and and yeah the if you ever sat in a brasilia they're just so much glass and just oh, yeah. real comfy seats and they're it, just just like brings a fishbowl yeah it's like a fishbowl ah, you get inside it, and you it's see awesome everywhere. no yeah, i've got the I, I, you know, when, and the cars, when they're built for different markets, you know, I own a Mexican beetle. I have a 2003 Mexican beetle and the, okay. the tranny gearing on it is so short because they don't really go on freeways over there. So it's like fourth gear here. I take it on the freeway over here. <laughs> it's, it's singing, man. I mean, that thing is up there, but it's, and I, I got lucky enough to snag a, uh, I, you know, in the States we're spoiled and nobody realizes we're spoiled until you're outside the States and you start talking to your friends that have cars and like in Belgium, they can't have custom cars and they can't, like there's all these rules and here in the States, it's like, oh yeah, I got a Mexican Beetle. My buddy in Southern California had one. So I bought, I I ended up with a brand new, I have a brand new 2003 Mexican Beetle with like less than 2000 miles on it, you know? And it's, I just put some spindles on it and put some four lug cosmics and, uh, and it's a standard. So it's red on red. And so it's like a, like a factory cow looker. And, uh, but, but it's, it's neat how these cars, how you see them designed for other markets. They, they, they're surprisingly quick and peppy with even with the stock drivetrain because they're kind of designed to zip around as more of an economy car, you know. And, and we're so used to like driving these old classics, and we put a seventeen seventy six or something like that in there to get them up to speed. But when these guys are dragging these things around every day, man, they're a lot more. They're designed for a lot more heavy daily use, you know. Yeah. So definitely, the, the driving experience is different. But I think with with VW guys, you know, you, you kind of get into the groove, and then you're like, man, I, I want something, but I want something different. And you got stuff different enough in Australia because there's not tons of people with the same cars that you have, but because you've dipped your toe in the VW scene, you look in the magazines, you're like, yeah, I want something a little more different, a little more different. Yeah, than that's that. it. You know what I mean? That's it. <laughs> and then, and then you step up to the Frid, right? So what's the story? What's the story behind the Fridlin? Again, they just started uh, grabbing my attention just from, you know, seeing, seeing photos of them around and whatnot. And 
again, hit up Paul and those guys from the Type 2 Detectives in the UK, and they said, oh, man, you, you're never going to get one of them. That's, you know, really hard to get. So I think, well, if you ever do, let me know, you know. Um, nothing ever really came of that. And then I mentioned to one of the guys here locally, and I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to get a Fridland one day. And he goes, oh, so-and-so's uh, possibly selling his down in Melbourne. I'm like, really? <laughs> and... Apparently, he'd been trying to sell it for a while and no real takers or whatnot. And uh, we reached out and so flew down to Melbourne, checked it out and looked good to me and made the deal. And he actually, uh, there was a, a probably Australia's uh, biggest uh, Volkswagen show, um, VW Spectacular, mm -hmm. which happens every, was happening every two years. Um, and uh, that was happening just a few months later. So then he just said, well, I'll, I'll meet you halfway and. Well, he's, he's probably at three quarters of the way and a quarter of my way sort of thing. So he drove it up on a trailer and, um, yeah, picked it up there and I drove it home. So Now, um, what, what's the stats on the on the Frid? Is it is it a stalker? Is it custom? Or what do you got done to it? It's No, it's it's pretty much stock. Um, it's, uh, yeah, stock engine. Now, that one really is flat out getting up a hill. I don't know how they drove <laughs> delivering mail with that thing, with right. those, that's that engine that's in there. Like, it's... it's um, that's yeah, easy. It, it's, they were by the hour, so they didn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and it's really low geared, I guess, too. Uh, being original box as well, too. Just yeah. you know, I mean, it was just stopping and starting all the time, delivering mail or whatnot. So um, it's uh, a, a Swiss, a Swedish um, a postal van. So it's got the very, very little windows in the in the quarters there, um, and it's painted up in the original Swiss postal colors oh really in the yellow at the top uh, silver on top there yellow at the bottom yeah um yeah and it's 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 yeah pretty much stock as really clean um yeah quite uh, quite unique to drive there's only two of those in the country there's a red one in sydney i believe and then this one um and yeah the brasilia that's the only one in the country from as far as i know so oh, that's cool um yeah, definitely going for those rare sort of things, I guess. So, and then, yeah. and then you move on and start dipping into the water cooled world with the with the seventy six. You've got a seventy six Mark One. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, again just sort of you know keep seeing Mark Ones around every now and then. Yeah, you know, just in magazines <laughs> or online. You're like, gee, they're pretty cool. And then um, yeah, once I get that itch, I, I've just got to scratch it. So I I had bought a it was a seventy six three door swallowtail. Right. Um, and I had bought that, uh, and it ended up being um, one of those things. That I'll, I'll get to that, and I'll, that was going to be the first car where I was really going to give it a good go and you know get as much done to it as I wanted to. But just life and everything else, I just don't don't have the time for that. I just it's too much other stuff going on. So right. ended up selling that one and then buying this this uh, brown bronze one that you see, which is uh, yeah seventy six four door. Um, it's got original 83,000 kilometers on it, which is, I guess, wow. I don't know, what, 60,000 miles or whatever that is, yeah. 50. Um, yeah, it's really low kilometers, uh, absolutely mint condition inside and out, and totally stock. But um, And it's, origi it's original Australian plan car? plan is to, yeah, lower it. Uh, it is an original Australian car, yes. Yep. How did you find this thing? Yeah. I mean, just, so, just just hunting online for the thing or what? Well, no, I wasn't really looking at the time, and was, uh, we have a thing. I don't know if you have it over there called Gumtree. Do you have that? Mm -mm. It's probably like your um, 
Like a Craigslist? Craigslist or... Craigslist, uh, yeah, that's yeah. it. It's, it's probably like your version of that. And I was just on there looking... You know, I'm, I'm into Star Wars too, so I'm always looking for Star Wars figures and just crazy things like that. And then it popped up as a little ad within Gumtree, this uh, Brown 76 mm-hmm. Golf. And I like, clicked on it and I was like, oh, wow. And I read about it and I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. And so... I thought, oh, it's going to be sold for sure. So I, I rung the guy straight away. It was on a Saturday. And I said, oh, what's the deal? And he goes, oh, look, I'm about to go away camping for the weekend, but I've got a guy coming Monday to look at it. I'll let you know if he doesn't get it. And I was like, all right, well, how do we make that not happen then? Right, right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just he goes, well, what do you mean? So, well, I'll, I'll take it now. And he goes, but you haven't even seen this. I said, yeah, that's all right. I'll, I'll get a friend to, to <laughs> yeah. check it all out. But um, never you mind. So yeah, that. We made, <laughs> let's get this made, made the deal and bang, done it, did it. And then afterwards, I went, wait up, what have I just done? And <laughs> have I been scammed? Does the car even exist or whatnot? So then I, I had a friend. I said, uh, I knew a friend down in Sydney, and I rung him and said, hey, do you live uh, in this suburb? Oh yeah, you you live near this suburb? He goes, I right. live in that suburb. And I was like, perfect. Can you go check this car out? I just want to make sure that it actually exists. And he went, <laughs> yeah, it, it exists. And so yeah, bang. Um, no, here we are. <laughs> it's it's crazy because you know, what, what, I I think the true the the true enthusiast is like. It, once you get something stuck in your craw, you're like, I got to get it. I got like, and, and our wives, our wives are significant. others look at us and, and they're like, what is your problem? My wife said to me, yeah. not, she said to me not long ago, she's, I sure am glad you're not like you are with women, like you are with cars. <laughs> I said, I said, but I love them all. I said, they just all have their own unique character. And I, and I, and I and I've always tried to put my finger on like where that comes from, where this obsession with like this mobility of us getting in this car, which it's like a rolling billboard of who we are. You know what I mean? And and it it, it I see so much of it tied into, you know, like BMX skateboarding cars. It's all counterculture stuff, right? It it all started yep. as like non mainstream stuff, but totally. And, and as much as everybody's the same, everybody's their own individuality. You know what I mean? Like, and you get to express yourself through your car, how it looks, how it's painted, you know, whether it's stickers, wheels, graphics, whatever it is, you know, and I, and I just think it's something that, that connects these things together because it's such a, it, I mean, you look at from the cover of the cover of BMX plus I did a, I did a podcast, uh, about four or five months ago with, um, with uh, Craig Turner, who's Gary Turner, GT bike. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did it with Craig Turner, and when I did that, I just started kind of going through because there's always been the overlap of like VWs, and, and the reason I did the podcast with him was I wanted to get the GT story because I knew GT from a retail standpoint of a kid, young kid going to the bike store, but I didn't know the yeah. story because I wasn't hardcore BMX in the early '80s and all that stuff, and as I started like, Oh, let's get some stuff for Instagram. It's like, here's BMX plus with a dude doing a, a cross up over four five guys in a convertible. And then here's VW trends with, with an English edition with, you know, guys doing another tabletop over a Carmen Ghia. And like, there's so much of this crossover, especially from the, you know, the eighties and even on that. I just, nah, totally. you know, I just find it's like, it's like, you know, it's like you pull up, you pull up someplace, you see a guy's got the same kind of bike you got. And you're like, yeah, you don't even have to say anything. You just know this guy's down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the same thing with the VW guys, you know, it's like, you know, these guys, they're cut from the same cloth. And interestingly enough, 
you know, you were baptized by fire with your first Volkswagen. Your first, <laughs> your first night experience is like, guess what? I'm going to leave you stranded and we're going to see if you're committed to the hobby. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> because we, I always, talk, I often talk about like the, the difference between mini truckers and Volkswagen guys are like mini truckers call a tow truck VW guys pull over they fix it on the side of the road and get home well yeah when that wheel fell off i i didn't even think ahead to like do i even have a wheel brace or a jack in this thing and like because i only just bought it i just jumped in it and drove it like and yeah luckily enough there was there was a jack and a wheel brace i was like oh that's good then i can jack it up inside of the road put the wheel back on and then i went and rode all, all that night and then drove home again so but i think um, it's i think it's one of those yeah, things it's like it's, uh, it, no that's it i mean volkswagens are just well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess as a BMX rider, you, you're, um, you, I was attracted to BMX because it was not football and wasn't cricket and wasn't whatever else. It was a different right. sport. I didn't want to play. I don't want to be involved in any of those things. I wanted to do my own thing, and BMX was that. And then going up through school, uh, you know, towards the end of the years when you're getting your license and starting to drive and looking at getting your first car, all the other kids at school were were getting the then or talking about getting the then popular, you know, Holdens or Ford or whatnot sort of a car, and you know, like a bit of a whatever car. And I was like, no, I'm going to get a Mitsubishi van. And you know, that was just a family <laughs> and it was like, mum van, what? you know. For, 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 and they're like, what? I'm like, nah, man, that's what I want. And, you know, in, in uh, You're like me and, and all so, the yeah, homies going to skate happen. parks. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. That's all I wanted. I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking, and I actually won a, a – um, an award at school for topping the the class for for science oh really and so what the at the end of the year they'd award everyone you could go to and get a cool book from the bookshop and they would present it to you at the awards and and whatnot and so everyone's picking these mathematic books and all this you know <laughs> geography books and and i wanted a i don't know what you call them over there but we call them here a refidex which is basically it was your your book of uh, all the streets uh, your street oh, yeah. book. I don't know what you call. Yeah, it. yeah. That's like a Thomas guide. They call it her a Thomas yeah. guide. Where she'll, she'll and, and the so, street layouts. <laughs> that's right. So you could go, and that's what I want. I, I went to the school, the, the the bookstore, picked out this, and like the teachers, like, no, nah, you don't want that. So no, no, I want that. So I can <laughs> next year when I'm finished school, I can drive around in my van and and find all the skate parks and street spots I want and, and go ride them. And yeah, again, I got presented that, that, uh, that book of maps and, um, <laughs> yeah, and here's went, your street guide. Like, they're like street yeah, guide. That's, What's this dude exactly. Street guide for? <laughs> that's classic. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, it's, it. It, it's that it, I think it's, it's, it's all tied together. You know, the sense of adventure. It's like when I used to skateboard, right. It was like, it was like, Hey, we heard about this pool in this backyard, man. That's an abandoned house. Let's go dig, let's go dig the pool out and skate this thing. It's like, it's part of the adventure. And I, and I see so much of that and like hunting down old cars or you hear about a rumor and you're, yes. you're tracking it down because there's just, there's part of the thrill of the hunt. And then when I get it or when I, when we dig this pool out, we're going to skate it or when we get this car back, we're going to get it running. We're going to slam it. We're going to cruise this thing. You know what I mean? It's like there's this whole process of like find find the objective of what we want to do that not that most people think would be stupid that we're doing right and then pursue it and follow it to the end and just it's something that that maybe people people that aren't into it don't understand you know like like when we talked about when you got broke down my my thought was like you were you were being your VW let you know right then like listen this isn't this isn't a hobby for lightweights or it's the same with BMX right like guess what no skate parks where you live get creative you know what I mean like 
Okay, here's a, here's a park bench. Now I got to do something. Like most people are like, what are you doing on that park bench? You're like, I'm riding it. Like you're not supposed to ride a park bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's all that. It, it's like making do with what you have and making the most out of it, you know? And, it, and it's so interesting how both of those things just just tie together so much. You know, I, I, I remember when I went to, I went to 2014 Volks World Super Show and it's totally different than the, than the events they have in the States because where, where we're a little spoiled here is we'll have an event. Like literally there's a 300 car meet every Saturday from like seven till nine every Saturday here in town. And then there's probably oh, one, wow. one or two car shows here in Vegas where I live in Las Vegas. And, okay, yeah. and so it's like Southern California is even worse because there's more population and more events and all that stuff. But it's like, we're so spoiled here with events to do that. Our car shows are really like show up at eight, leave at one. Well, yeah, I go to Volksworld and like, my mind is blown. I'm walking around. There's a whole camping section. Then there's a huge half pipe. And I'm like, there's a, there's BMX demos, hmm. all this stuff. There's over here. There's a DJ with a drummer. Like it's just intense. And I'm like, man, we got to have a show like this in the States. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just, it, it's a different culture that's there. And I think it's because maybe over there, it's like so much is focused on work, work, work. When they take their time off, they really take their time off. You know what I mean? And like, just let, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just such a different, a different expression of the culture. And I love the way they do shows, you know, over there, um, over there in, uh, in the UK, but it's definitely, you know, there's the common thread of, of the hobby and the passion, but then there's also the diversity of the different cultures, you know, the way that, the uh, way that they do it yeah, there totally. in the UK, totally. the way they do it here. So I'm looking forward. We started doing something here in Vegas called the one crazy weekend, which is more of an interactive car event. You know, there's a poker run where I give away cash in it. And then there's a, an organized strip cruise. Uh, we get to cruise your car down Las Vegas Boulevard at night, you know, oh, so wow, it's, sounds cool. Yeah, so it's, but it's more, it's more of a, like a big hangout weekend versus like a, a real rigid car show and this against that and, and all that nonsense. But yeah, it's, I mean, there's so much that goes into this hobby and goes back and forth. And I wanted to kind of touch bases a little bit on continuing on some of your path into the BMX world. Right. So from being a rider to then going into owning the company, now you have a clean slate, right? The first product you take to market is what? Is it a frame for, I mean, what's the first thing you produce? Well, when I first did it, I was writing for a, um, a German BMX brand at the time. And, um, it was always just meant to be a little parts brand on the side. And I was just going to come out. I think the first product I had was maybe, uh, our, we did some pegs, um, which were at the time, everyone was sort of after lightweight stuff. And the usual answer for that was to make it out of titanium, mm -hmm. but that's one very expensive and so forth. So I had this idea where the pegs would be internally machined out so that they're thicker at the bottom where you grind them mm -hmm. and then thinner on top where you don't grind them. So now called the one way peg, which means you had to run them just the one way. Um, but that, that created a, a cheaper peg uh well normally normal price peg made out of chrome ollie um that was uh yeah lightweight so and that was probably the first big product that we had um and whatnot and we launched that with a few other things like some sprockets and some bar ends and so forth and the demand and, and just reaction was 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 phenomenal and i was like all right well this is going to turn into a bit more than what i thought um, so then I did, I quit that, uh, that bike sponsor then, and then that's when we started making frames and, 
and complete bikes and, and just growing it from there over the years ahead forward sort of thing and just really having a good go at it. So Now, I, um, obviously, this took place in the skateboard industry years ago, right, when Blind and all those companies came out and everybody left the big brands and started their own brands, right? Because they saw they kind of saw how the they saw how the sausage was made, right? So they decided to yep. to like you well, listen, man. If all these suits can go to this aluminum company and have these things made, why can't I and put my brand on it? And I'm a writer, you know what I mean. So like I actually know what works better and what doesn't. When you first set out to take over the market or to get involved, not take over the market, but get involved in the market. When you first set out to do that, was it? Were you just focused on focusing on Australia as a whole, or were you planning to go worldwide? I always thought it would go worldwide, but I thought it'd be a lot harder than what it was, uh, especially the US. I thought it would be a very hard market to break into, um, but it was actually the first market that we broke into, and, and very easily. Um, we were just lucky at the time that, uh, yeah, got uh, an introduction. Um, and uh, with it with a good US distributor at the time and um, yeah bang first order and it was done I was like oh wow that was a lot easier than I thought and, <laughs> um, like you're gonna be starving for years kid you're like well this is weird yeah. I just sold 50,000 units <laughs> oh what wasn't that kind of money back then but um, yeah it was definitely uh, it, it was you know it was just like wow okay this is it and I just sort of grew from there and then I guess once you're kind of in the US then that sort of feeds out then other countries and other so and and whatnot probably look at you in a different light and think, okay, well, this is a, a serious thing. This is something to be taken note of. And uh, yeah, it just sort of grew from there and in a bunch of different countries all around the world. And uh, and so the first the first because you, you said oh nine was your really for your first real hit year and oh six you really came out. You started in oh in in oh five. So you have like three years of kind of putting the building blocks together. And I'm on your website and you've got a huge array of products on here. Um, yeah. And what's what, what question I have is, do you find that like what like like when a band has their first hit record, you're like, oh crap, we got to come up with number two. You know what I mean? Like exactly. What, what was your thing like? <laughs> okay, what's my second thing I'm coming out with? And then how much of it is focused on industry needs? Like you're looking and you're like, hey man, I might just be some dopey writer, but I think the industry needs more selection of this or a different version of that. Is that the way you approached it, or was it like? The, the industry is like, hey, do you make this? And you're like, well, I can make that too, you know? Well, it was a combination of the, of the two, mainly starting off with, I guess, looking at products that uh, were existing out there and me either not liking entirely what was out there or wanting to make my own version of it and, and improve it in whatever way or my own flavor to it. So that's pretty much the main way, I guess, it, uh, the product line progressed. And then it did get to a point um, like uh, we did do one complete bike, but then I really didn't want to do too many complete bikes sort of thing because uh, I think it, it, it can dilute your brand, especially if to start talking lower entry price points. Right, right. Um, but the market just kept asking for that kind of stuff. And that, so then I started uh, two other brands, one called Academy, one called Division Brand. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, off those two, that's where I decided, okay, well, I can feed that market that wants that uh, cheaper complete bike line while still keeping my colony as, as – as, um, Your better brand. As the, as the higher end sort of the market brand, yeah. So um, 
not to belittle Volkswagen, but when I do talk to shops and stuff like that, they sort of ask, oh, what's this, you know, we want Colony, but, you know, all it really expensive. And I said, well, you can get this, you know, Academy or Division. It's kind of like, you know, your, your Academy or Division, you might be looked at as, as your, your Volkswagens and then your Colony's the Audi sort of thing. And well, that's, yeah, that's but how it's, I sort of, it's more the people's car. You know what I mean? Like everybody gets one. Everybody can have th- one of these. That, that, and that's right. That's exactly it. So then that's sort of how I explain it to people and um, to, to the stores. And they go, oh, okay, cool. And, you know, they'll use that as a as a as a selling tool when they're saying okay well this is the colony they started this much but hey you can get an academy or division at this much and made by the same people uh just you know comes off the same production lines just made to a different spec and and, and price point and they're like oh okay and you know it all sort of goes from there so yeah i guess the market does sort of demand what you end up putting out and um but at the same time too with a lot of the products it's it's me wanting to put my own flavor to it um I guess my riding style is probably a bit more what you'd almost call mid-school these days, mm-hmm. being that I still run front and back brakes, four pegs, um, and do a lot of technical sort of mini-ramp stuff. That's not something that's really done much that uh, these days, um, but I still like to, within my product range, have stuff that will uh, appease to someone that rides in my style or even likes the older school stuff with some, some of the retro stuff that we've brought out. So Now, interestingly um, enough, I, I saw a video where you said, you'll run front brakes till you're not on this earth anymore. Now, is that a thing that guys are doing? Like they're, they're doing front-end tricks with no front brakes now? Now it's all it's all muscle instead of using your brakes? Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most I would say 95% of riders right now don't run any brakes at all. So... Um, one of my guys, pretty much everyone on my team, I don't think they run brakes anymore, but um, <laughs> i got Pat Arico, one of the local uh, guys that I ride for a lot. He always comes and rides the backyard with us, and, yeah, he, he he's a full technical wizard and runs no brakes, and you wouldn't even know that he doesn't have brakes. It's 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 pure balance and just skill, yeah. these guys do, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to see. I wish I could uh, do it, but... Uh, well, no, I'm too stuck in my ways, and I like what I do, and I do what I do what I like. And you so. don't got to prove yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, I'm past that. I just I'll prove myself to myself. That's about all I've got to try to. Right. Impress, so. You're just happy to be able to get on your bike every day and do what you do, right? That, like that's it. Yeah, I wouldn't even be every day, but um, every every weekend, I'm a weekend warrior these days. But um, yeah, no, it's all good fun. No, that's uh, that's rad. So what 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 is your take on? As you see, because I and I would think I, I'm I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn, but I would think that the U.S. market kind of drives the the bike market. Is that correct or incorrect? It it, uh, it probably still does, and it it did for a long time there. But then that sort of did change a fair bit with with different countries having their own brands popping up and becoming quite uh, quite um, strong in the market. So that definitely has changed a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess the U.S. is still looked at as you know the place to be or, or where it all derives from and, and and trends. But yeah, that definitely has changed with you know UK scene, uh, the Canadian scene, uh, just Europe in general, Australia, um, and South America as well too. So now, um, and Japan's a big scene as well too. Now, yeah. I and I would and I, I probably know the answer to this, but I'm asking the question because maybe some people aren't thinking about this. During the COVID time, when everything first cracked off, a lot of places here you couldn't buy a bike, you couldn't find a bike at a store because everybody just started doing stuff like 
all right, we'll go ride bikes. We'll go do this. And everything just like crazy. You couldn't find it here in town. And now was it the same way for you during the beginning of COVID? Did you see any kick up in people buying bikes and stuff like that or no? Yeah, there was definitely an uptake. And at at the start, probably like everyone, you start freaking out thinking, oh man, this is just going to be bad. Everything's going to go terrible or whatnot. But it um, went the exact opposite for, for, for the bicycle industry, I guess. And being that uh, I'm a brand direct, you know, dealing directly with the factories, I've got quite quick reaction times with that kind of stuff. So yeah. I jumped on that quite quickly and secured myself stocks and whatnot, <laughs> got ahead of everyone They're else. Like, we and, need more um, bikes. Sorry, Colin has got all the lines. <laughs> Colin's got all the lines tied Yeah, up. <laughs> well, for, for, for Australia especially, we, um, for that, uh, was it the 2020 uh christmas yeah. Uh-huh. yeah we 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 saved christmas here for for bmx sales like every other brand totally missed the boat didn't out of get, stock didn't get and <laughs> nowhere near a sto- enough stocks yet we did and um yeah still sold through it all and um yeah That's basically awesome. yeah and if, you know it's, it's going onwards from there as well too so well you know um, i mean it's just, it's just great that like you can go from, I mean, you really got to live a blessed life, right? To go from being a rider to like still involved in the scene, you know, and being, and, and not just in the background, right? Not just like a guy when they have it on TV, you're announcing, you know what I mean? Like, like you're in the scene, like you're driving the scene. You've got an influence in it with your ability to bring product to the market, uh, to be contemporary and to, to really, you know, be able to ride both sides, you know, the business side and the, and the sport side of it to be able to be connected enough to know what the market needs and be able to put that in production super quick probably gives you a huge advantage over some of the big, big bike guys out there. Definitely does. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I feel totally, you know, blessed or whatnot to whatever you want to say there, but yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Like humbled by it all that I am in the position that I am, through a lot of hard work, but also some, I'm sure some luck and just whatnot along the way. But, um, yeah, to still play with what we call little kids bikes all these years later and, and make a business out of it. Um, help as many riders as I can. And, and, and I've got staff and everything that, you know, they've bought houses and just, yeah, it, it's good to, you know, help out as many people as I can. And then that's with the, the guys that I support and whatnot. It's just great to have, we're all a big family and it's just, it's just cool to, have all this just feed everything and 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 yeah just living the bmx life and passing that on (laughs) i mean that's that that is pretty rad so let me get let me ask what's your take on the big bike thing you know obviously se's gone bananas with like reproducing and it's insane what these bikes are selling for because i mean let's be real they're all made in china right and they're high volume production bikes but it's like Here's this bike retails for 550 bucks up, sold out in one day. Everybody, it's cause, and, and, and what they did, here's, here's, here's my science behind it, right? My two bits of science is that you're in the age demographic of guys in their mid, mid to late forties that have discretionary income where buying a five, $600 bike is not a big it's deal. Nothing. Yeah, that's right. And so you're looking at that. They produce these bikes, and then they'll do limited runs on them, which I think is pretty smart because then everybody it, they just change the stickers on it. It's the same freaking well, well, bike. Well, lim- limited to how many they can sell. Yeah, probably. But right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It, it's 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 it is. It's it's a, it, it's exactly that's it. It's um. Well, now, it does appeal to, to guys like us, yeah. And, sure. and what, so what do you think about the big bike craze that's going on right now, like the 29s, 26ers and 29s? What do you think? I mean, 
Yeah, we, we do a couple of ones in the colony range, in my division range. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only done done colonies in 24 and 26, mm-hmm. uh, and we do, do some divisions in, in 26. We are going to bring out a 29 for for later this year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not, wouldn't uh, – I don't think it ever will become a huge thing for us. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something that uh, does work and – yeah, it's just, uh, it just just appeals to those yeah, older guys that are like you know I used to ride BMX or always yeah. wanted a BMX, but they they look at a twenty inch and think it's way too small for them. So yeah, uh, and I think the same thing because I, I mean I got a twenty four, I grabbed a twenty four inch. I mean I was a v, I, I was a skateboard guy, and then I rode a couple. I only, I had cheap BMXs, a Team Murray, and that kind of garbage, right? That's what I had yep. growing up. And it's like when I when I jump back in the bike scene, I didn't even jump back in the bike scene. I'm on Craigslist, like like you're saying, I'm just cruising around, and here's a fat boy, like a a 91 yep. fat boy, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's a 24. I've never had a 24 inch cruiser, man. A 20 is too small for me, so I buy a 24. I realize I don't remember being this big when I was that young, and the 24, <laughs> the 24 is a little small. So then I end up picking up. I think I I ended up picking up uh, a Dino Hemi, a, another. Um, specialized and then my brother gets me the, the the big ripper and all the stuff and so they're fun to kind of cruise around on and now it's becoming like uh, and everybody i know has got three four and five of them some guys have like 15 like oh yeah i got oh, this model it's ridiculous it's, yeah it's yeah. insane and i'm thinking and, and i keep thinking so so this is my two cents of advice because i noticed on your website you do have some you you've got some of the necks i guess you guys call them stems but you have the bike stems and you've got a square back series stuff like that. And I thought, Oh, you know what? You start making a big, a big series for the big boys in the States. And you start doing some eighties colors on these bikes, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you, and you, and you call them the fast back and the, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, man, that's a whole, that's a whole nother range because I keep thinking if they're, you know, because right now I, I the one I did with, uh, with Craig Turner, I, I have a, a crew cab. That's um, it's a Porsche color and it's got a platinum color twist wheels on it and stuff. And I told him I wanted to do a 29er to match that with disc brakes, yep. the, the whole nine. So it would just be, it would just be a cool accessory to have. I mean, especially if it's you know a rideable bike as well, but it also matches my crew cab too. Ah, oh, totally. I thought that would well, be we, dope. Yeah, well, well, we brought out with that brown panel van. Uh-huh. Um, we actually, when I got that car, we actually brought out a line of bikes that look similar which probably the ones in some of the photos that are on top of it is in a in a similar sort of brown as well too so yeah. um yeah that was a real cool thing and and also on that uh that um that particular brown panel van if you look closely the uh the uh brake and clutch pedals oh they're yeah. actually uh colony bmx stems stem <laughs> top caps so yeah, just that whole sort of BMX flavor, and and yeah, as you said, then the the name of the stem is the Squareback. You know, like there's I a few it. products that I've definitely sort of named around uh, Volkswagen and and to a lesser extent some Star Wars stuff too. So it's um okay. Yeah. So, so I'm going to ask you a Star Wars question. Do you own the C3PO bus? No. So they have a Hot Wheels bus when they came out with the with the. Uh, it's a VW bus diecast. It's a, it's a little one, but it's C3PO. So the front of it looks like C3PO, but it looks like a drag bus on the back half. That's a double, oh, no co- it's a double collectible, man. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even know about it. So yeah. There you go. No, that's right. <laughs> but cause I figured you're a little bit of a, you're a little bit of a collector and you do some stuff like that. So I think, you know, what happens with us as VW guys and BMX guys or whatever, 
people know that what we're into, so they always get us like, oh, here's a die cast of a of a Volkswagen. Oh, I've, I've had heaps of yeah. <laughs> I get Star Wars stuff all the time. I get lots of little uh, die cast Brazilias, you know, get sent to me and stuff. It's cool. It, uh, I love it. It's um, no, yeah, that's it's, awesome. Uh, that's well. Yeah. Listen, you remember there was that there was a company called Simple Shoes back in the day, and they had a shoe called the Carmen yes. Gia. They had all these shoes, and Eric Meyer, who's who's into Porsches and stuff now, but I still think he dabbles in Volkswagens, and I'm I'm working on getting him on the podcast to get his whole story. But um, oh, wow, I think you know I, I think there's something to it, man. If you, you came out with a line of bikes in fa- in OG VW colors, man. Ah, well, that's with my <laughs> um the the palm green sand green uh, splitty I've got. I'd love to get a bike done in that kind of a colorway with a bit of patina sort of on it as well too, or well, something like that. So I, I'll tell you this. When people listen to this podcast, they'll hit you. I'll tell them to hit you up and tell them that you need to make a palm green, sand green frame for them or a bike. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I'll, let's, I'll be down. That would be so <laughs> cool to have a, a whole fleet of bikes in original VW colors. Because then let's take a let's take a play move from the uh, from the people at uh, SE Racing, and you make a limited production run of them. And well, when, that's it. And do it, they're and do gone, it on they're gone. Those big bikes. I, I think you, I think you're on a thing there. Like I think we'll have to make that happen. So look, that's, yeah, that, watch your space. Listen, that's <laughs> dope. That's dope. I'm looking for. And when you come out with it, man, hit me up. Let's 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 share it to the VW community, man. Because I'd love to see. Not totally. 100%. I'd love to see them support that, man. So, you know. I appreciate you taking the time, man, to chat with us today. Um, it's been it's been great. It's, it's been great meeting you over the phone, and I'm sure one day we're going to shake hands. I'm going to see you somewhere. Either it's going to be here, England, or somewhere. Yeah, but, uh, I'll come to that show you're doing in Vegas. Yeah, it listen, it's going to happen October 7th of this year, man. So make your arrangements now, <laughs> and I'll, <All> right. <laughs> I'll have a, I'll have a Volkswagen here for you to drive. So no need to worry. Sounds about good. That. Sounds awesome. But yeah, nah, thanks for having us, and uh, yeah, much appreciated. I appreciate you coming on, man. Without without a doubt, and by all means. If you come out with something that's connected to the VW world, man, let's let's get you back on the podcast. Sounds good. Sounds good. Cool, brother. I appreciate it. If you like that podcast, make sure you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts as well as now on Spotify. You can rate your uh, favorite podcast. So make sure you go on Spotify and give us a five-star rating. We appreciate you guys. Appreciate the support. Look forward to seeing you guys at the Grand Astro Roadster Show. Don't forget, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Matter of fact, last week I just uploaded the video for the Gary Turner BMX story, and uh, this week I'm trying to get uploaded Adam Wick's story. So thanks for the support, guys. Until next week, later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have.